Hi everyone, my name is Christian Kuhn and I'm the pastor of Emerging Ministries at Urban Village. Also, I'm the pastor at River Forest United Methodist Church. My pronouns are he, him, and his, and it's great to be with you here today. Several years ago, my wife and I went out to eat with some friends of ours, and I think we went into, I don't remember the exact restaurant, but it was somewhere in the Lincoln Park Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago. It was one of those neighborhoods, or one of those restaurants rather, where the tables were smushed together really closely. And so you were with the people that you were eating, uh, but also there was somebody next to you and you couldn't help but certainly notice them and maybe even listen in on their conversation. So while we were eating and I was listening to the conversation in our own party, but again, we were so close to the person next to us, the people next to us, that I noticed somebody across the way and she looked very familiar. And I knew right away, I thought I knew who it was. And so as I was sitting there at my seat, I took a napkin and I still have this napkin uh, today. I took the napkin, borrowed a pen from my wife and wrote on it, I think the woman sitting next to Lisa, somebody in our party, is Billie Jean King. Now, for those of you who may not know who Billie Jean King is, I would encourage you to do a internet search very famous tennis player known not only for her expert tennis skills, but also was a leading advocate for equal pay for women athletes in many different areas of social justice areas too. So that changed the whole dinner for me. So before I was doing my best to stay solely focused on the conversation that our party was engaging in, but now that Billie Jean King was essentially eating almost directly across from me, my attention kind of focused a little bit over to Billie Jean King. And I was trying to listen in on what she was saying, who she was talking to, what she had ordered, all of these different things. So I was kind of paying attention to the people that I was with, but also I couldn't help but listen in on what Billie Jean King was saying too. Have you ever had a moment like that? Somebody where you just happen to either run into or be close to someone who is notable or famous, have one of those brush with greatness type of uh, scenarios. I'm gonna pause just a minute. If you are on YouTube or Facebook Live, feel free to type in right now, who is your brush with greatness? Who is somebody that you brag to your friends? Oh, I once uh, had coffee with, or I once ran into this person at the airport or whatever. So take a moment. Feel free as I'm continuing to preach to share your brush with greatness. And I've thought about that anytime that I am around someone who is notable. And I think to this day about why did I find so fascinating anything that Billie Jean King was saying, but I did. And then at the end of the dinner, she and the person she was having dinner with got up and were about ready to leave. And then that same napkin Again, I still have it today. On the flip side of my little note to my wife is her autograph, Billie Jean King. I have no idea what I expected by listening in to that conversation or what would have changed within me. Was I thinking that somehow I would become famous too by being so close to Billie Jean King? Uh, would I uh, become more noteworthy? Would I become more special? All of those things aren't true, of course, but I'm human, and sometimes when we're near someone like that, we just 
want to do all we can to get a little bit closer to them. Now, of course, everything that we mention and talk about is just the opposite. We don't want to get close to anyone. We want to be distant from them, no matter who they are, famous or not. Stay far away, of course, social distancing. And as we read this passage today from the Gospel of Matthew, this sense of being socially distant and staying six feet apart from everybody else, reading this passage from Matthew might make us a little bit uncomfortable. Because here, what we experience and read about is, the scripture tells us, a very big crowd. All those people crowding in on one another. And if you're like me, because we're becoming so ingrained about staying apart from people, I get a little uncomfortable, a little nervous, a little anxious for all those people gathered at the crowd that day. Especially when you consider all of the people that were coming into Jerusalem at that time. One scholar said that the population of Jerusalem at the time was about 40,000, but another estimate was that about 200,000 religious pilgrims were coming into Jerusalem as they were coming in to celebrate and commemorate Passover. So the message of social distancing, of course, is so ingrained that I get a little nervous for everyone, but this is a different time and this is a different story. Everybody has gathered to see Jesus come in and enter into this city. I think it's important every Palm Sunday to note that Jesus' entry turns so many things on their head. The scholar James Duke notes that Jesus' entry into Jerusalem confounds messianic hopes. All the people who were gathered there many of whom thought Jesus is their Messiah, and so they were expecting pomp and ceremony, splendor, shock and awe of destructive power. But instead, what they get is humility and gentleness. They get a donkey and a colt, not a big steed. They get predictions, not of glory, but of suffering and death. But be that as it may, the crowd still seems thrilled by Jesus' arrival. They are literally throwing the cloaks off of their backs onto the road. They are cutting branches off trees. Some people are running out ahead, shouting as they go, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. It's interesting to note that the word Hosanna, the root of it in Hebrew is actually two words. That means save, we pray, or save us now. So the people are running ahead of Jesus, calling out, Hosanna, save us, save us now. They want to be saved. But as the week goes along, scholars believe this happened on a Monday, this what we now call Holy Week, and as the week goes along, things change just a bit. We realize that their celebration of Jesus, their desire to be saved, had strings attached. Save us, they cry, but save us according to our own plans. Later on, as we read into the Gospel of Matthew, we read that the tune of the crowds changed just a bit. In Matthew 27, it says, The crowds gather again, and the governor, Pilate, gives them the option to free Jesus or another prisoner named Barabbas. 
The crowd says, as we may know, Barabbas. Pilate asks, what should I do with this Jesus who is called the Messiah? And the scriptures tell us, all of them, this crowd, all of them said, let him be crucified. They want to be so close to Jesus at the beginning week, but as the days move along, they want to be distant, far away from him. And it's not just the crowds, but it's also Peter, too. Peter, Jesus' perhaps closest disciple and friend and confidant. Peter, the scripture tells us later on, as we read today out of Matthew 26, the passage says, those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, but Peter, but Peter was following him at a distance. But Peter, even Peter, was following him at a distance. Well, it might be easy for us to condemn or chastise the crowds or Peter. How could they turn on Jesus so quickly? To go from wanting to be so close, but then distancing themselves in a matter of days. But then I think about my own life. And when I'm honest with myself, I realize there are times too where I may want to put a little distance between me and Jesus too. Maybe out of frustration perhaps, impatience, anger that I might be feeling, some anxiety, or if I feel like what Jesus is saying is just too hard to follow, I will put a little distance between myself and Jesus. No doubt those thoughts are going through many of our minds right now. When we cry out, Hosanna, save us, O Lord, and it seemingly goes unheard. But even in those moments, even in those moments when we try to put a little distance between ourselves and Jesus, whether we desire that or not, what I find is that God still somehow moves us and nudges us so that we come back into that relationship no matter what. Some of you know I'm a pretty avid runner and running these days in Chicago is becoming more and more challenging, especially for those of us who live somewhat near the lake. The lakefront, of course, is one of the jewels of our great city and it's so wonderful to be able to go along the lakefront path and run both to the north and the south, but that has been shut down a few days ago by our mayor, and so now we all have to get a little creative about where we are running. I also like to run through the neighborhood, so I haven't been too put out by that, but when I do want to run north, usually the lakefront is where I would go. But now I have been running north along Columbus. For those of you who are familiar with Chicago, I usually run east on Roosevelt and then turn north on Columbus. And that's nice too, it's a wide street. And as you start running north, of course the starting point, you can see the Field Museum right there and you run north and all kinds of memories come to me. That's the starting point for the Chicago Marathon is on Columbus, the Shamrock Shuffle, some of you may have run that race. You're running on the backside of the Art Institute so all of these things are great as you're running north on Columbus, but then as you continue to run north, you start going underneath Randolph. 
and things get a little bit darker. My GPS watch no longer finds any signals. And then I've discovered something. As I run on Columbus underneath Randolph, I discover that I'm running next to those who are experiencing homelessness and sleeping bags and cardboard boxes and meals that people have put out for those who are hungry. And what I've discovered about this is that some rules are put into place so that we would stay distant from one another. But what has happened is that I was brought closer to those that I believe Jesus was here particularly for, those who are on the margins, those who are often, too often, ignored. Something that was created to create distance actually has brought me closer to the city and also to God. And this, I think, sometimes happens in our own lives, no matter what we do or where we go or what we intend, even when we try to keep some distance between ourselves and God, between ourselves and Jesus, there is a way where we are actually brought closer than we ever could realize. So we have some decisions to make in our own lives too. When we get maybe that nudge to get close or even not, we still have to make the decision. If we are brought back into relationship with Jesus, will we stay there? especially as we move into this week, I hope you'll ask those questions. Am I at a place in my life where I am keeping distance from Jesus or am I being called to inch even just a little bit closer? It's not always easy. Even for those of us who claim to follow Jesus in our daily lives, it's a decision I think that we have to make every single day. Will I draw closer to Jesus today or will I keep my distance? Some of you may have read that the civil rights icon, the Reverend Joseph Lowry, died on March 27th at the age of 98. Reverend Lowry, along with Martin Luther King Jr. and some others, founded the Southern Leadership, Southern Christian Leadership Conference and was called, Reverend Lowry was called the Dean of the Civil Rights Movement. I was reading an article about Reverend Lowry, who was also actually a United Methodist pastor. And I was reading an article, a profile about him in Atlanta magazine that ran about 10 years ago. And I was struck by some consistent behavior of his. During times in his life, when people said, it is better to stay back, it is better to lay low, it is better to take it easy, it is better to play it safe, those were the moments when Reverend Lowry would get even closer, sometimes uncomfortably so. Some examples. He was present at the funeral of Rosa Parks in 2005. Now, a funeral is a time where people probably think it is better just to leave things as they are. Don't stir the waters. Just go and pay your respects. But that was not Reverend Lowry's style. After the service for Rosa Parks, he cornered, the story says, he cornered Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice and solicited her help in his efforts to try to extend the Voting Rights Act. Lowry later joked with a reporter that he'd approached her there because he knew that she couldn't move. One year later, in 2006, at another funeral, again, a time usually when there is a more somber feeling and respects are paid to everybody present there, Reverend Lowry spoke at Coretta Scott King's funeral, and he started off by 
of course, extolling the role that Mrs. King played in the civil rights movement. But then he started to get into territory where people said, whoa, don't go there. You're getting too close to controversy, too close to where you should be in a time like this. But he said that Coretta extended Martin's message about poverty, racism, and war. She deplored the terror inflicted by our smart bombs on missions way afar. But Coretta knew and we know that there are weapons of misdirection right here, that millions are without health insurance, poverty abounds for war, billions more, but no more for the poor. And of course, sitting in the audience that day were four former presidents and other politicians at a moment when it made sense for everybody else to stay back. Don't go into those places, Reverend Lowry. And those were the moments where he decided to get closer. And then finally, in 2007, there was a benefit for his 86th birthday. And part of the benefit with raising money for the institute that he was a part of, the end of the evening, the star of the show was Aretha Franklin. And she came on stage with her band and wowed the crowd with a wonderful concert. And after that, Reverend Lowry came up on stage amidst all of the cheers. And it's that moment, surely, when you would think all he will do is just say, thank you, Aretha. Her band left the stage and clearly she was done for the night. But after thanking her, Reverend Lowry instead said, I just want to know if you're going to sing Respect, because Aretha apparently had not done so. She thought she was done for the evening, and most of us would have just been so grateful to have been there and say, now is not the time to push things, but Reverend Lowry did. And so Aretha called the band back on stage, and they played Respect, and the person who jumped up first and led everyone else in singing and swaying was Reverend Lowry to get even closer, to get even closer to what was going on at the time. Reverend Lowry and many others are models for us as we think about our own walk with Christ, no matter where we are on that journey. And this week, as we move into this Holy Week, is a time for us to really think about that. Today, you may not be full of song. You might not feel like you are able to wave palms or give the coat off your back or to shout out Hosanna. You might be struggling yourself. You might be wandering. You might be realizing that I'm doing all I can to get as far away from Jesus as I can. And I understand that. But I hope this week you will try to find ways and think about ways that you can begin to draw closer and you may find that God is beginning to draw you back even without you knowing it. That has been my own story. In moments when I do my best to try to stay distant, I still get drawn closer. God continues to search and call out to me and find ways so that I am brought back into relationship. I hope the same can be the true, the same can be uh, for you as well. Now is not the time for us to be distant from Jesus. Now is the time to draw closer. And when we do, we are not just trying to sidle up to somebody as a brush with greatness. 
we are doing so, we are drawing closer to somebody who rides in on a donkey. With somebody who tells us to love our enemies. With somebody who tells us to make sure that we are paying attention to and loving those who are on the margins. This is true greatness that we want to brush up against. And I hope and pray during this week that you will find ways for you to do that, knowing that Jesus continues to search for you and to pull you closer as well. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for the ways that you work in our lives, and we thank you for the example of Jesus. We pray that you would give us the strength to be able to draw closer to you, especially during this week. Pray that you would help us in moments of feeling alone and lost, that you might show us a way that we can still have a strong sense of your presence in our lives. And if we are in a position to do so, to reach out to someone else so that they would know of that close presence too. We pray this in the name of the one who entered into Jerusalem and who enters into our lives, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, a powerful way that we respond to the word in our midst is by giving. Um, and so we talk about that today. There's a couple of different ways that we're talking about giving right now uh, at Urban Village. There will be some information on the screen about how you can give electronically. Certainly you can do so at urbanvillagechurch.org give. And then there will be a number on the screen that you can use uh, to text so that you can give that way too. Also, we have created a COVID-19 fund for those who are part of Urban Village and who need some help. Many people have either lost or been downsized because of the pandemic. And so we've started this fund to assist with that. So a couple things about that. First of all, if you're in a place where you can donate to that fund, again, there'll be information on the screen about how you can give to that fund. I've been overwhelmed by the generosity. We started promoting this last Sunday and already we have several thousand dollars that has already been given to this fund. So for those of you who have given, thank you so much. And we are continuing to invite you to think about giving to that fund. If you're in a place where you do need some help, uh, please reach out to us. You can email me, christian at urbanvillagechurch.org, and let us know how we can help you and make sure that you get uh, the help that you need. We're giving out $200 uh, grants at this point, and then later on, perhaps, if our fund continues to grow, we'll be able to, to give more. But thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for continuing to support all that we are doing at Urban Village.